Welcome to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. And I'm Jim Resky. We're gospel addicts because we believe the gospel of Jesus isn't just good news, it's the best news ever. We're addicted to the gospel because it doesn't just start us out in the Christian life, it is the Christian life. Join us as we look at the Bible through the lens of the gospel. Thanks so much for listening. You're listening to the Gospel Addict Podcast. I'm Greg Bryan. I'm joined with Jim Resky. We are going to look at some chapters, some stories, actually, of Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, chapters 17 and 18. I'm going to be teaching on these chapters at a men's Bible study in a couple weeks. You know, usually we do this on the phone, and then we realize that uh, these would make good podcasts because we end up getting into some really cool conversations. So it's our hope and prayer that as we go through these passages, that that you will be encouraged and inspired and might see some things that you wouldn't see if you were just reading it by yourself. And by the way, Gospel Addict Podcast, we believe the gospel is the best news ever. It really is, isn't it, Jim? Isn't it? Isn't That's it, right. Why is the gospel the best news ever, Jim? Is it, it, the gospel is the uh, drives your entire life. It's not just a way to start off your Christian life. It is the it's your entire Christian life. But the news that God could save a sinner like me, Greg, that, that someone like you know as lost and blind uh, as I am could be saved. And I think that's part of the uh, the the uh, I hope the attraction of a podcast and the encouragement of a podcast like this. So if someone's listening and they say these two clowns can read this stuff and wrestle with it and that's kind of how it works. You know, you wrestle with these things and you read these passages, you study them, try to understand them. You work through them with other believers, you know, with other Christians and they, and you, uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, gives you understanding in these things and you grow in Christ that way by really getting your, uh, working the word of God, like kneading bread, like kneading it, working it, working it, working, working it into your heart, working your life. I hope that's what people get out of this podcast, but that's, uh, that's why I love the gospel and can't wait to dig in these passages tonight. Yeah, I think both of us agree that, you know, Jesus changed our lives. And it wasn't so much that we were seeking him. It was that he was seeking us and he revealed That's himself right. to us and he changed us. It wasn't religion that changed us. We weren't changed by religion. Religion didn't come into our lives. The person of Jesus came into our lives. And that's, that's right. what really changes you from the inside out, not only to bring you to God, but also to grow you in your spiritual life. And we see um, in kind of out there in Christendom, we see a lot of um, works based kind of performance oriented spiritual growth. And yeah. basically <laughs> that the way to change is you know, you got to keep adding all these things. It's it's outside in where we really think that the Bible teaches that true spiritual transformation is inside out. That's right. And I think actually some of the pastors we're going to talk about tonight are going to illustrate that. So can't That's wait great. to so let's dive in. So yeah, we're going to start in, in chapter 17 of Luke. I'm going to read this story. It's actually um it's not so much um, a teaching of Jesus, but it's it's an experience that Jesus had. Um, this is kind of during, in the Gospel of Luke, this is 
in the midst of um, a lot of instruction that Jesus was giving to his disciples. But listen to what happened. It says in verse 11, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, 10 men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he, when he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? And then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. So let's just talk a little bit about the background of this story. Um, you know, the significance, it says that he was traveling between the border between Samaria and Galilee. Jim, why was he on the border? Of... I don't know, but I, yeah, I was just thinking, Greg, is, I, I, I honestly don't know, but I, I think you've been there, right? Isn't because you, uh, you've done these trips to Israel before, I know. Have you been in this, this place at that border? Yes. I mean, um, so Samaria would... The Jews did not travel through Samaria. They mm -hmm. they would travel along the border of Samaria because Samaritans and Jewish people didn't get along. They didn't like each other. There was kind of a prejudice against each other, which is what we see a lot in t today's world. It's always us versus them. It's yeah. It's I. It's one of the things that drives me crazy about our world is we're always trying to separate people and. Um, you, in other words, if you disagree with somebody, you're you're kind of taught to disdain them, to hate them, um, avoid them. I mean, it's and 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 this is kind of the way it was between Jews um, and people that lived in Samaria, Samaria, because they were half Jewish, half um, non-Jewish. Yeah. And I think that if you if you find that abhorrent, if you say that's really wrong, it shouldn't be that way. That's racism. You should have open an open heart towards people that are different than you, different races. You should understand that that is a uniquely Christian idea. In other words, there's nothing about biological evolution that says you should be open hearted to people that are different than you. If you know, if you there's nothing about biological evolution um, that would say you're supposed to be anti-racist and open to people that are different you might be in fact you might say i'm i'm superior to survival of the fittest my race is better and what's wrong with being racist and but he say oh, that's awful how could you even say that that's wrong if you if that's the way you feel in your heart you should know that comes from christianity because there are verses like this and other many other passages where jesus says, there's neither jew nor greek nor slave nor free jesus has broken down the barrier of the dividing wall neither male nor female so gender distinctions i mean the whole idea of that kind of respect for people that are different than you, if you think if that's a value you have, that is straight from Christianity. Man, that's a great point. I'm so glad you brought that up. And then so anyway, Jesus is traveling, you know, along this border with his disciples. And then he goes into this village and there's 10 men with leprosy. Um, that's another kind of us versus them. If you had leprosy in this day and age you were kind of isolated. You were kind of an outcast. I mean, a major, major outcast. 
um, right. because you didn't want to go near these people because you didn't want to get leprosy yourself. And so these people were um, really suffering. And it says that they stood at a distance because they were they were they weren't allowed to get near people. And they cried out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And uh, I love the fact that I'm sure there were other times when people were coming by. Maybe they were asking for uh, food or or money or or whatever, um, crying out. And I, I my guess is, and don't you think, Jim, that they were just people just ignored them. Yeah, but I do think at some point they must have known who Jesus is. They call him master, right? Yes. But maybe the reputation or I don't know how, but they would have known somehow by reputation who Jesus was as he's coming through, right? They must no, have heard another... stories. And, and, you know, it could be from the woman at the well. Oh, yeah. Right. You know, that many Samaritans believed in Jesus. So right. Maybe the, the word about Jesus had spread. And because there's a Samaritan... It, what's interesting about this is there's 10 lepers and you have Jewish lepers and Samaritan lepers. Oh, wait. Wow. That's interesting because the illness and broken down the barriers too. They're all suffering. Yes. What a metaphor for us, right? We are all, well, we know our common bond is as human beings, our right. lost condition. We are yeah. all blind and lost and suffering. We're all in need of a savior. And that that's, we all have that in common. That's a, right. what a great saint, Greg. I'd never seen that before in this passage. Yeah, and the thing is, a lot of times when we read when we read stories like this, we we always um, we we need to put ourselves in the people's shoes, right? And and um, I think really it's appropriate for us to put ourselves in the shoes of the lepers. Yeah. So there's ten men who had leprosy, and then Jesus, uh, they call out to Jesus, and Jesus responds and says, "Go show yourself to the priests." He gives them a simple um thing to do show yourself because you know the priests were the ones who could determine whether or not they they were ill with these they had leprosy or they had been healed so what's so interesting is jesus doesn't you know jesus does a lot of miracles in the gospels and sometimes he spits on the ground and touches people you know he and i love the fact he doesn't do it the same way um it's not like he had like some formula or some like, you know, magic touch, you know, right. He didn't have to touch all the lepers. Um, right. In this case, it, he just simply tells them, go show yourselves to the priest. And it says all of them, they were so desperate. And again, we should put ourselves in, in those shoes that we desperately need. Um, we desperately need God in our life. Um, they, it says they all went and they were all cleansed. So little background here, as I just remember this uh, reading and studying for the other, another passage in Mark about a leper, the single leper who was healed. Um, he says, go and show yourselves to the priests, not go and so, show yourselves to the doctors because the priests were the ones who made this a determination over skin conditions. And there's a whole passage, I think it's Leviticus like 12, 13 or 14, one of those with a, a whole lengthy thing, exactly what the priest would do. He would look at the skin condition. Does it go away in a day? It doesn't go away, persist, come back, show the priest. But the priest were the ones because it wasn't just a matter of saying you're sick, but it's that you are unclean and you're unfit to be in society. You're unfit to be with us. 
So the priest would make that determination. And then the very next chapter in Leviticus is a chapter that says, now this is what to do when someone is healed from leprosy. And the whole point is, for a couple thousand years, that that passage had never, ever, ever, ever been used until Jesus came along. So the priest would have said, we have this whole set of rules about exactly what to do if someone's healed from leprosy. And they're really beautiful, they're really poignant. They all point to a savior. It's like you're supposed to take two doves and like, you know, um, kill one of them and dip it in blood and the other one you let go and it flies away. It's like very symbolic of the death and resurrection. It's a whole ceremony. And the priest would have said, we have this whole chapter in Leviticus. We never, ever use it um, because they thought the only person who could ever heal someone from leprosy is the Messiah. Mm. That's the only, no one can heal. I mean, it's kind of silly because, and it's why we always, we, they could read and study and memorize that passage, but never use it because only the Messiah, when Messiah finally comes, can heal this. So when Jesus says, go show yourselves to the priests, it's a real testimony because he's, he, what he's saying is the priest should see you and they should wake up and say, oh my gosh, it's the Messiah. The Messiah is here, right? Um, yeah. But anyway, as they as they're they're not even there yet. As they're going their way, then they're all cleansed, right? So we don't even know if they actually made it to the priest or not. Isn't it interesting that all ten of them were cleansed? I mean, it could easily have just said that just one of them got cleansed. And it doesn't really. De- so they all had varying degrees of faith, right? Yeah. So it's a great, it's a great testament. It's like, so how much faith does it take to be cleansed? And it's right. not dependent on the faith you muster up right it's dependent on the object of your faith it's just yeah. jesus yes yeah it's not the amount of faith it's the object of your faith that matters and then right. what do you make of the, the the next part where it says one of them when he saw he was healed he came back praising god in a loud voice threw himself at jesus feet and thanked him and then the where luke notes that he was a samaritan um yeah, what do you think about that? Well, you were nailing it before. It's the outsider, you know. It's it's um, you think about any any if you were t- telling this group of to to a group today, and if you were if you were telling it to a group, of, I don't know, in America, you might say, "I'm going to tell this to a group of liberals." I'm going to say this MAGA person was the only one who was grateful. The very people you hate. Or if you were talking to MAGA crowd, I would say, "Here's someone who's a complete liberal, the very kind of person you hate." In other words, if I'm talking, you know, whatever whoever group you're with, think of the the the, the exact person as the most opposite that they would absolutely they think those people are those people we hate those people they're awful people, and I tell the story and say, yep, and there was one of them that was this kind of person, the opposite, the very kind of person you think is the outcast, the outsider, the person you hate. They were the only grateful one in the crowd. Mm. It's a real strong point you're making, right? That. Um, Again, Jesus is breaking down the barrier or the dividing wall. These divisions, these hatreds you have, these things you, these artificial things you have, you know, you got to get past that. And, um, you know, before we started recording, Jim, you mentioned that you see a theme kind of it running through these these chapters. Yeah. And what is the theme? It's the engine of the Christian life, Greg. It's the engine of the Christian life, which is gratitude. Gratitude. I used to think it was hard work and effort, that the engine of the Christian life was hard work and effort. You know, God, tell me how to be a good Christian, and I can do it. I can do it. I'm going to read the Bible and study and pray and tell me what to do, and I can do it. Really, And you realize the engine of the Christian life is gratitude, and that's the point of this story, right? He says, you know, 
in verse 17, Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. We are the other nine. Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? All all 10 got the blessing. All 10 were blessed. All 10 received the gift, right? But the point is the, the point is to point out the gratitude of the one. It's it's huge. It's a huge theme. And it reminds me of um, you know, both you and I, one of our favorite Bible teachers is Dr. Tim Keller. And I love what he says about the difference between religion and the gospel. How religion is I obey, therefore I'm accepted by God. But the gospel is I'm accepted by God, therefore I obey. And if you get those, you can have two people that they look exactly the same. They both are good moral people. They do the same works, the same, but one of them is operating out of a heart of a religious heart. The other one is operating from a gospel changed heart, which is operating out of gratitude. Yeah, that that is the sequence of the gospel right? Sequence is everything. And it sequences a theme of this story too. And I didn't really think of it, Greg, until you just mentioned it. Because Jesus doesn't say, you know, he's walking past and they say, Jesus, master, have pity on us. And he says, well, I'm going to come back next week and I'm going to be watching you. And I'm going to see if you guys can clean up your act and how you live, or maybe a year from now, you know, we'll see. And uh, how how well you follow the moral law and what kind of good people you are. And then I'll maybe I'll, I'll, I will heal the top three of you. How does that sound? So you can outcompete each other to see who's going to be in the top three when I come back a year from now. We'll see who's the really good ones and those ones. He says, he just gives them all grace, right? He just gives them all completely unmerited, undeserved. They just say, have pity on us. Yeah. Right? And he they get grace first. And then in proper sequence, the proper response to that for all of us is unbelievable gratitude to say, I want to give my life to you. And now I want to follow you. You know, what was duty before has become choice. I just, you know, before I had to do it, now I get to do it, right? That's a phrase I got from you. And you think, you know, what's the what's the other thing, um, you know, Jesus taught, whoever is forgiven much, loves much. And, and it makes you think about this one that came back. He must have been the one who felt like he experienced, you know, well, he was a Samaritan, so he probably... He didn't think Jesus would heal him because he was a Samaritan. Well, maybe when they all jumped up and said, we got to go to the priests. He said, what, me too? Can I, should I go to, am I supposed to go to, right? I'm not even, I'm not even. Right. I mean, but it seems like he's the one who got it. So when I first, you know, when I read a story like this, I start, I start wanting to make applications. Like, does that mean one out of 10 people are um, grateful people? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Is that, is that so? is that translate, you know, into real life? Like, you know, basically, you know, one out of 10 people. Well, I don't know if it's meant to be a 10% rule, but maybe there is something to say the the vast majority of people. Let's stick with us, okay? Maybe the vast majority of Christians are not grateful. In other words, one of, maybe one of the points of this is to say we have a gratitude problem. We're not, yeah. we're not really grateful. And... It'd be a very different story if he said nine people came back, but there's that one Samaritan who didn't show. And he says, where's the last guy? Oh, but thanks heavens for the nine of you who are all grateful. Doesn't that show that most most Christians tend to be grateful for their salvation? Yeah. Very different story. There is something to be said of we do have a gratitude problem. 
Yeah, I think the proportionality is in that direction. It's one out of 10 that's grateful, not nine out of 10. Very, 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 very few. I mean, there's so many. In fact, uh, there's all kinds of stories of, um, you know, people that would be like, I love your Jesus, but I, I, I can't stand Christians. Yeah. Oh, but if we were filled with gratitude, Greg, if we were overflowing with gratitude, if we realized how really lost and blind we were and what we were saved from, our lives would be sweet. They would be yes. pleasant. They'd be attractive, right? I mean, you know people like that, right? People are filled with grace and you want to be around them, right? Exactly. So any uh, final thoughts before we move on to the next story about this story? It's a, it's a really cool story. And, uh, you know, it's so cool how Jesus crosses boundaries. Like uh, yeah. the, the good news of Christ is for all people. Yeah, it's not right. for just good people. It's not for rich people. It's not for it's for all people. And here you see, you know, him reaching people in Samaria that even the priests, the priests, like you said, when the, when the Samaritan um, approached the priest, the priests were probably pretty shocked. Yeah. You know, yeah, uh, I would imagine. So what do maybe, you do? maybe somewhat reluctant to even uh, declare him healed. Maybe, but I, I do think it's interesting because the multicultural, cross-cultural aspects of this story are very prominent and very real. In other words, the, you know, this story, when, when, when these words, when God inspired these words, could have easily been about just a group of Jewish men. Same idea, one out of 10, grateful, right? But, but there's a purposeful cross-cultural element here, which I think tells you Christianity was always intended, unlike other world religions, by the way, mm-hmm. to be a multicultural religion where we say in the, in, the, in the kingdom that is to come, there will be people from every tribe and tongue retaining their culture with their culture intact, but very, very multicultural future that we're headed towards. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gospel Addict Podcast. Feel free to contact us via email at gospeladdictpodcast.com at gmail.com. Stay tuned for our next episode. And remember, on your worst days, you're never beyond the reach of God's grace. And on your best days, you're never beyond the need of God's grace. See you next time.